Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Overtime Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Davis, author of First Time Leader and founder of Overtime Leader, where we help leaders navigate the complexity and uncertainty that comes with working in tech. One of those challenges that I'm sure many of you are familiar with if you work in a technology space is the role of product managers. And today we are talking to head of product at Founders Factory, Seb Sabine. I know Seb from way back. We worked together at Us2. Seb was a a coach at that time. And he's now shifted his role to be, uh, to really like lead this notion of product coaching. Um, I love it. It speaks a lot to kind of the ethos that we use at Overtime in how we approach our leadership development projects, but really seeing the product management um, role as a facilitator, um, you know, working with a lot of empathy, a lot of resilience and thriving in that kind of ambiguous uh, environment. Why is this interesting for you guys? Well, one, I think product thinking, um, I use it a lot in my work. It really benefits anyone, whether you're in product or not. There's always something to learn from new ways of working. Two, Seb through Founders Factory has created this amazing product framework, um, product coaching framework that they're rolling out across their founders. And uh, essentially it assesses, I'm not going to give too much away, but it assesses uh, whether or not, you know, someone should, as a founder, should go more into like a product lead role or actually hire an external product person, but generally just measures, um, you know, your kind of ability to, to do product thinking and also highlights where you need to bridge some of the gaps and build some capacity. Um, I had a fantastic conversation with Seb. I do think this is um, a multi-part podcast because we could have talked for way longer than we did, Um, but we explore things like what gets in the way of good product management. I remember when this role came up um, and was like the hottest role out there, but internally I've noticed that non-technical leaders um, don't really understand what a product manager is meant to do, and there's a lot of misaligned expectations and can unfortunately do a really good product manager um, an injustice because they're just not set up for success from the start. And a lot of organizations, I think, put their product managers in a very tough position between stakeholders and um, engineering teams. And when you don't enable product managers to really own their role, they can quickly become kind of middle manager coordinators and it's not empowering it's not fun and it doesn't then generate the results that anyone is looking for so I think as a product manager if you're listening I hope that this gives you a hope (laughs) um, focus maybe even a resource to give someone that might uh, need to learn a little bit more about product thinking if you're not a product manager I hope that this conversation helps you enlightens you on product management thinking where it's going um, and how you as a non-product person can also learn a lot from these great techniques and approaches to how they do their work so enjoy and I'd love to hear what you think so leave your thoughts insights perspectives questions in the comments Hi, Seb. It's great to have you on the Overtime Leader Podcast. Hi, Gillian. Nice to see you. You too. 
So I thought it would be smart to bring everyone up to speed with okay. where you've come from and okay. for you to share a little bit from your journey um, in, in product coaching. Cool. Happy to wrap. Yeah. So currently the head of product at Founders Factory. I kind of have, I've been in product for about about 10 years, starting out in hardware product management and uh, in Stockholm or in Sweden where I'm from and then moved to London to join us two, a company that you and I know pretty well. Yes. And um, to get, because I wanted to get my hands on working how to build products for software, which is something that I've just done very little of before. And so at us was where I got most of my training in how to build and design really great products. And was there for about two and a bit years and then joined three engineers on trying to build a product studio from scratch. Mm -hmm. But they have been going on for a little while and then I joined as the product person and employee number one. And we sort of like had this split model between the way we were the bootstrap team for founders who didn't have any technical experience. So we would like huddle around them to build out the first version of the product, help a bit with fundraising and then hire ourselves out. So that was probably the first time I had to be sort of like the interim head of product, but also like coach a founder who didn't do mu didn't know much about technology and, and product. And so we did, and then on the other side, we also did similar projects, but for big corporates who were like either wanting to build a new product within their, within their portfolio already, or just wanted to understand more about what good digital products look like. And we, and then I did, we did that for about four years. And then I joined Founders Factory a year and a half ago, um, where we had the idea of like, how do you teach and coach early stage founders and pro early stage product teams in product thinking at scale. Mm. So we are now currently a team of three, where we have a framework in place that we use to help these founders to become better product thinkers and product leaders. Very cool. And how many founders do you work across? So we have currently, so there is at Founders Factory, we um, we don't do cohorts. So mm -hmm. we and so companies start to, as soon as they get approved by investment committee. So I think currently we have about 30 active companies and that's probably like a pretty decent month. Yeah. So I think so far we have coached actively since we started since we launched the framework in April of last year so almost a whole year I think we have had all about 30 coaches who've gone through like the full framework or program very cool all right before we get into yeah. this framework yeah <laughs> um a couple of questions came up when you were playing back your um kind of your bio mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit in your opinion what the difference between hardcore product product management mm -hmm. versus coaching yep. product management? So I think hardcore product management, I think we are currently now in a, it has evolved over the last 10 years. I mean, like even when I started out, we didn't, they didn't really have that title. Um, and I think it's starting to move into more of a craft, so something that people can attain. Yeah. And I think that it's gone from sort of like being glorified project managers to being like something that actually has a lot of value and a lot of more companies seeing value in. And I think that's where product coaching comes in because I think that w yeah. what happens a lot of the times when companies 
and I see value in things that they just start applying it mm-hmm. without much thinking. We saw that in the adaptation of Agile and Scrum that um, loads of companies or people just jump on the bandwagon without actually like some thinking. And that's when we saw the opportunity here at Founders Factory that we could, what if, what if, what if we turned a lot of people into great product thinkers from the start instead? Yeah. And I, I'm assuming from, you know, when you talk about the work at Founders Factory, working with um, founders, for example, mm. they're not necessarily going to be the head of product in no. their company, but having that product thinking as they lead the business is kind of key for that being a success. Yeah. So I think that it goes, like, I think it goes back again to, um, it has a lot of like different, um, I think that the reason why we are where we are, I think that if we look at an, a, an ecosystem like the States, I think that they have a longer history of, of successful startups and exits where lots of really good product people could then move into venture capital or then right. or move into other. So there is the pool of good product thinkers and product leaders in the States are probably a bit bigger here in different parts of the ecosystem. Yes. Where versus here, um, what we try to do a lot of times is like we hear that product is so important and you should have that in your startup but no one can really like connect the dots. So if you're talking about to a founder who has loads of like domain expertise in the area that they are trying to disrupt, and then they hear from like a VC or from someone or from an advisor that you should be, you should have product or whatever they're saying, you should mm-hmm. have a product manager. They don't, one, they don't probably don't really know all the time what it is. Mm-hmm. They read up on it and they still like are still a bit confused. And then that's where you probably see a lot of like mishires as well, because it's right. product manager, as we know, the same as like with any role is you have different skill sets in different parts of the product life cycle and they have different personalities and things. So what mm-hmm. we try and do is, okay, so if the theory is that we, that this is needed, um, then what if we could make uh, our founders better product thinkers so that then they can decide if they want to be the founder who is the product person right. or if they want to hire someone in and in that case they probably know better what they will be looking for. And what in your opinion makes a great product leader? So this is a question that I think has been debated quite a bit. I think that the main I think that the main flaw probably comes in product management, having management in the, <laughs> in the title yeah. from the start. Yeah. Because um, for me, product as, it's, as a craft or as a, as a role has always been more of like a facilitation role rather than it being a management role. And I think there is a key difference there where I think that the best product leaders aren't the people like, that potentially make the best decisions, but can facilitate the team to make a really good decision. Mm-hmm. And that's a more scalable solution to anything anyway. Like if you can empower your team um, and you, th- that are executing on the product that you're delivering, then it will be a lot easier to create um, a better product, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I think that facilitation skills is probably the main priority. And I think that like another good um, thing that we talk to a lot of our founders or product or um, more junior product people here is something that is hard to get to, but resilience is probably another one because you have to withstand quite a lot of changes along the way and being yeah. okay that things are going to change and how do you manage that? And I guess from a product management perspective, that could be changes in your team, changes in the environment that you're working with. Um, like if we just 
take an example now, we are facing like a big uh, potential pandemic in the mm-hmm. coronavirus. And I think that if you, if I was a product person, let's say in the travel industry now, I would probably have to show quite a lot of resilience in yeah. ensuring my team that things are going right and like, or, or even ensuring the uses of the product that I'm building that, hey, this is just, this is what, this is what's happening and yeah. etc. So I think there is, you kind of probably have to have quite a lot of resilience as a yeah. product leader. And like one, sometimes <laughs> when I talk to a couple product people in startup, maybe more established startups, when mm-hmm. the stakeholder count increases, right? Yeah. You've got lots of people, marketing, sales, everyone wants a little bit mm. of the, or think they know what yeah. the product should be and what it should do. And then on the flip side, they're, you know, working with their engineering team and designers, and there's a lot of opinions mm. on that side too, that sometimes it feels like they're very much a glorified middleman slash coordinator between yeah. two very um, often opinionated groups. Yes. How does one manage <laughs> that seesaw of creating rapport with their product team, but also managing expectations of multiple stakeholder groups? Yeah, and I do think that the, similarly to um, if we look at the CEO role, yeah, and I think that being a CEO for a young startup before becoming a scale-up is very different to when you are at that scale. I think similarly to product managers, it's a very different beast to be handling um, early, to be in an early stage product manager, to be like in a scale-up that has like multiple teams, etc. And I think that, yeah, I do think that if if you're on that journey, I think that one thing that you probably haven't picked up on is probably like things like stakeholder management Mm -hmm. and how to be more effective in communicating your ideas and thoughts and like where you want to move forward mm. with um, a sales team and a marketing team is probably a product manager's best friend if you can get them yeah. on board because they sit on so much information yeah um, so I would and I would encourage a lot of product managers and leaders to and um, maybe to, rather than keeping your team separate to try and see what you can do to bring everyone on board if that may if like some ideas could be to bring on marketing and sales to your to your sprint to just to have them like observe to see like how the work is doing because i think a lot of the times conflict and being in the in between two different groups um could be resolved by just having more empathy for those two groups. Yeah. So like loads of like the mo- some common uh, misunderstandings probably like how quickly engineers can move. Yeah. And I think that could be quite easily solved by just inviting people into the process. Yeah, I've I've seen that in practice. Like a lot of assumptions are made, and you you can like almost watch these like stories being created and the different sides about mm. the other. Yeah. So like marketing is like yeah, product so slow, and yeah. they've like. You can tell that they've been talking to each other yeah. and they've created this story that like that validates that assumption. Yeah, exactly. And then when you play back to them, well, actually, mm-hmm. here's why that wasn't able to be done in your timeline and mm. the the risks associated with doing that quickly. Yeah. They're like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, exactly. You're like, wow, like so many conversations that aren't had mm. create like unnecessary tension that yeah. really can derail a lot of progress. Yeah, exactly. And I do think another another the thing for product managers to think about in those or in any situations, I think is because you are the custodian of process of sometimes most of the data and also the sort of like resourcing of teams, I think having empathy for the person that you're talking to about it. So if you're talking to a stakeholder or a senior stakeholder, 
it can sometimes be frustrating if they don't understand or if they're not up to speed. Um, and we see that in early stage startups as well. So like the, the tension between tech and founder and yeah. product and founder or like, cause, and the one thing that I tell people is that just if, imagine if you were the founder, like you were going to spend 90% of your time fundraising yeah. early stage. Yeah. So try and make the decisions that you want made as quickly as possible and as easy as possible for the person that you're communicating to um, and work backwards on that. So rather than going in with just like, hey, we need to make a decision right now, try and sort of work backwards from like, this is the decision that I think is the best and then try and facilitate a meeting which leads to that rather than opening it up to loads of opinions because mm. it doesn't really help either. And I think that a lot of stakeholders also appreciate saying someone coming in and saying, hey, this is all the data that we have on X, Y, and Z. And um, it will really help if you could let me know if I'm going in the right direction or if you see any potential uh, potholes along the way. And mm-hmm. um, if you have time, otherwise we're just going to go, go with it. this. Yeah. yeah. So like proceed until. Yeah, exactly. Until not to. Yeah, exactly. But given the opinion, you had the chance. Yeah, you had the chance. I think so. I think that, the, I mean, like if I just like, if I look at myself, I think that if I was in a position where I had very little time but wanted to be informed, I would appreciate someone who could, who like had all the information just like say, hey, this is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Instead of waiting on you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how much of that tension do you think is due to both in startup, scale up, and mm-hmm. corporate, the misunderstanding of what a product manager does? Oh, yeah. I think that it definitely is. I, I think the... Um, uh, I think the misunderstanding, again, comes through like a little bit from the, from the title, but I also think that we have suffered a bit from um, peak product management. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that I think that someone's exposure to product management, either either if they are in the in either in the current role or even within a company, could be maybe with product manager who hasn't really lived up to their full potential as product right. managers yet. And I think that is something that I feel passionate about. That I think we need to get to where product management as a as a as a craft becomes more understand what we can essentially decide that this is what product managers do, do yeah. and that that comes to common understanding. I often draw parallels between how design thinking is now something that you can read about online. Yeah. It was yeah. sort of like it's a it's a process that everyone understands regardless of like what level you're on. Mm. And I think similarly with um, well maybe not agile yet, but I think similarly I think agile has gone on a similar journey where it started, became a lot of confusion, but I think now we're sort of coming out of the, the, the fog of confusion <laughs> where everyone sort of like can kind of understand, like at least at least they can see the benefit to compare to the other yeah. projects that they've run because it's been true. And I think that we need, I think product will get there eventually um, that we will sort of see, okay, so this is what a good, this is what good product management processes look like versus others. And yes, I do think that a lot of the confusion comes from and people, one, probably not understanding exactly what the value is. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that good product people do well to sort of like to present the, the this is what I'm working on. This is what we as a team are working on. And here you can see the results. Mm. And I think that that's sometimes maybe um, something what young or early product managers don't do that often enough, so they focus too much on one aspect of it, but forget that they also 
need to communicate the value that they're bringing, which can sometimes be difficult when you're not, when you're not, cannot show someone, look at the pretty designs that I've yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and maybe utilize some of those uh, good practices that lives in the ecosystems, like OKRs and things like to see like, it, yeah, I've done process. X and this is what's happened. Yeah, because so, yeah, you can't really be like, but look how much empathy I showed over <laughs> yeah, this yeah, exactly. culture. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't yell at anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I think like I've, I found myself repeating this piece of advice to um, product managers mm. in companies where there isn't a lot of product leadership. Yeah. Um, that, and, and you know, they're, they're kind of like frustrated because no one is helping them with their development or growth or having, um, you know, mature or um, interesting conversations about the future of product management. Mm. And the reality is that when it's not in-house, it's not going to come from in-house. Like no. a non-product thinking CEO or um, CTO yeah. isn't going to be able to guide those product managers in the way that they probably deserve to yeah fulfill that potential mm-hmm. and they really need to go in in my opinion what I tell them is go into the community yeah. and find those leaders and and drive your own development yeah. until there is a lot more maturity mm. spanning all industries all companies and and you've got that yeah. kind of uh, no I agree with that and I think that like honestly I think that the best that I think that the cheapest and probably the best thing like companies can do now is just to admit that they can't offer this yes and just yes. give people a training budget do go. do what you want with it, and like then just send me the receipts. I think yeah. that like I honestly think that like the the because uh, it's it's going to be hard to I guess find because there's obviously you can go to conference and you can learn stuff yeah. which is yeah. really good. But I think that the product I think also is probably like a big misunderstanding is product isn't a theoretical uh, role. Mm-hmm. It's you're not gonna be you're not gonna be a better product person by reading more blog posts. So I think or going to more conferences, you're gonna do it by practice. Yeah. So I think that having that continuous, either if it's internal, if someone external, advice from someone saying like, look, this is what I did, this is what went good or bad, and what what would you do differently? And I think that that is something that. It's growing in terms of like there are more and more black or like freelance product coaches out there that I think you can mm-hmm, use. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I think sometimes it's just like reach out to the community, find a peer, someone that you admire, that you have seen done it for a while, um, and then just to ask them out for a coffee and see if you can build a rapport with someone. Because I think that we are lucky in the product community that most people are approachable. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And sorry, last thing mm-hmm. from because I want to go into this framework. Mm-hmm. Um, this just sprung to mind mm-hmm. because it's been very it's a timely <laughs> conversation that's just yeah. happened last week. Um, <laughs> so there's this a CEO that I work with, non technical, mm-hmm. very traditional, mm-hmm. um, very good, mm-hmm. but doesn't have a product <clears throat> background. Right. And um, there's an opportunity has presented itself where there's a role for um, like a chief product officer yeah. to come up. And they mm-hmm. haven't historically been very good at hiring product, product people. people. But they have amazing product managers within the team. Right. But they, I, I find there's, they, they're not really rec- I'm like I, right. I find myself constantly saying, like, you know the product people in your organization are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's got in his head that this there's this, like, what I would probably call a unicorn product leader out there. Right. That you know has SaaS experience, has mm-hmm. um, 
you know, built an e-commerce mm. platform, like has done all these things, yeah. data, technical. Yeah. And I ha- I've had this conversation with him a lot around like, you're going to have to really zone in on what kind of product leadership you need because yeah. you'll have product people that were excellent in SaaS, but maybe they're not mm-hmm. high on design thinking. And if that's yeah. like really important to the business, you're not going to get them to do design thinking yeah. like now. Um, or you've had product people that are have been fantastic in like kind of delivery, but maybe haven't done the coaching and yeah. upskilled the team. So like mm-hmm. there, I've noticed that I think for non-technical or non-product folks mm-hmm. in leadership, they keep thinking that there's these like product people hanging mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. super senior, yeah. super slick that are just going to come in and solve everything. Everything. Yeah. Any advice for people like that? <laughs> so I think that like the some I, I it's actually we should you should there would be an interesting uh, activity to take some of the CPO um, like job descriptions in the world and yeah. then you see like how many people of these actually exist. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think that the way that you describe it, there is probably like. I mean, that person is maybe like CPO of DeepMind. Exa- you know? Exactly. There's That's what like, I said. There are like, like four yeah. or five to that caliber, maybe. I would say out in the world. Agree. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I do, and also CPO. If you don't have one already, and I think that if you are looking for someone, I think I would agree with you. I think that honing what you think that the, that the that your current product organization need, because it's going to be the role that your entire product organization want to reach to. So do, do, yeah. do you want someone that has that ability to, I guess, inspire? Um, a team to be able to want to do better at do a better job and i think that if you are a very technical company i would also try and find someone who can like butt heads a bit with the cto mm-hmm. so create a bit of like create a bit of friction to be able to move the product forward um so i would look for someone um yeah so try and hone in on what you think is the most important thing and and someone who has done, um, who you can, who you can see out in the world is sort of like maybe like has done it before. Primarily like coach teams, I think would be yeah important. Um, but yeah, they like try and limit it to like be at least like a good. There are very very good non technical product managers yes. out there who has who have gone on an amazing run who are ready for the CTO role at your company. So. Maybe start looking for like senior product managers, product leaders that you think that has been in like, maybe not a like for like business of yours. Yeah. But someone that you're like, okay, this person has loads of potential and is ready for that step. Um, that's sort of like what I would look for. So what is your most immediate need? Is yeah. it to coach, upskill your current product managers? Then do then find someone who can do that. And, or is it, or do you have like big sort of like gaps in your product that you're like, okay, so this part of the product is not working well, but let's find someone who is really good at this, and then that, and then they can also do some of the coaching and things in between. Exactly. Kind of. No, I agree. Mm. I, like, you're not going to find... They don't exist. Mm. Yeah. Like, the everything pro- um, product leaders that have all the things and yeah, exactly. can do everything. Okay. Mm. Um, so tell me about this framework. Oh, yeah. So, so what happened was that um, when I joined Founders Factory a um, year and a half ago, um, with this, we had this idea that how do we um, coach product leadership at scale mm-hmm. um, or for our portfolio. So I started um, the first sort of like three to four months sort of 
meeting every company that we had in the program or in any of our programs at the moment and just try to figure out what are the main pain points, what is the most requested um, help that they are looking for. And then from that, I said, okay, so I can't, because also this sort of like the everything product manager, I think that like a lot of, a lot of the times, if you give someone an open question around, okay, so, hey, I'm a product person, what do you need help with? You're going to get a long list. Yeah. So there was a mix between sort of like, these are what I think um, most of our companies are asking for, what I think good product leadership in other stage look for, but also as a tool to help me and the team to mm. triage. So yes. yeah. it's a, so the way that we call it a framework, but it's essentially sort of like we do um, a self-assessment and we do weekly check-downs and a monthly re-self-assessment. So that's the cycle. Okay. And we do that for three months and then we evaluate whether or not which route the um, coachee wants to go. So do they yeah. want to go deeper in product? We can continue in the same cycle. Do they want to hire someone? We'll help them hire someone in the Very team. Very cool. So this, by three months, you can sort of like, we can see that they have had enough exposure to be able to want to do either of those. Yeah. Um, so the self-assessment um, is a spreadsheet which has three main parts, so uncertainty, empathy and resilience. Mm -hmm. um, so I have, yes, we have categorized sort of uh, different questions that, you, that we ask them and they score themselves between 1 to 10 on how comfortable they are with certain things. So in uncertainty, there is loads of like, how comfortable are you with running product experiments? Um, have you set up, how comfortable are you with lean? Um, methodologies, um, empathy is more around the things that we have talked about today. So how comfortable are you in setting up um, a product strategy for your stakeholders? And in resilience, it's a lot more around processes and like how do you and mitigating change mm. and how comfortable are you with mm. those? And it's the the scoring is more for the coaching, so it's not about them going from zero to one, but it's for us to sort of say, okay, cool. So you, it looks like from this that we should start around uncertainty. This is sort of like where you feel m less comfortable at the moment. And then throughout the three months, trying to touch a little bit on each of those three pillars. Um, but yeah, that's how it, that's essentially how it works. And uh, so, no, go ahead. Where do you, where do you want to go with this? If you had total freedom, freedom. Well, I guess the, 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 the joy of working in front factories, I kind of, we can't, we kind of have total freedom at the moment, but so the, what we have done now is that I have created a public link that people can reach. Yep. So people can use this tool and uh, if they have, if they want to implement a similar process within their organization. So that's, that would be cool if people did that. Mm -hmm. um, we're also looking at rolling this out for all the different Founders Factory um, locations. So currently New York, Paris, and Johannesburg. Very cool. Um, so that is sort of like immediate terms. The other thing that we're working on this year, um, which we haven't solved yet, which is how do you... Because what we're doing now is that we're measuring the impact that we have on the people, which is sort of like step one. So like, can we create better product thinkers? The second step is that how do we measure that the impact that we're having on the people is having an impact on the product. Right. Um, so that's something that we currently have started this year, and like, would, which would be the next ingredient in, in the framework that would be cool to solve somehow. And I think, I think this is awesome, and I would recommend to anyone listening who's like, I'm not in product, so this doesn't apply to me, that actually to use that framework 
like no matter where you are within mm-hmm. your organization because the product thinking approaches are um, what's going to, I think, trickle across yeah. all areas of business where, where possible. There's some roles that due to like restrictions yeah. or limitations, they can't go full. Yeah, exactly. Thinking and, yeah, exactly. And I think even, and I think, um, I think a lot of now product is like popping up in like everywhere. So yeah. even, I even think that it could be a good tool for people who are in an organization that are not in product and maybe want to move into it yeah. just to like yeah. get, because you don't have to essentially like do the whole self-assessment, but you can at least get an idea of like what we think encompasses good product thinking in that, in that sense. So if you want to have a look and you say, like, okay, so these, these are the 15 things that, um, that founders factory thinks and maybe that could yeah. be a helpful start. Yeah, exactly. Um, when we think of, so you've, you've obviously done a lot of work, both like as a product manager, as a consultant in mm. startup and corporate, and then mm. now like looking across lots of founders to you. And I know this is kind of an, it depends question, yeah. but what makes like a really great product? leader yeah we talked about empathy and we talked about resilience yeah um is there anything else that comes up that is someone who's listening to this who is in product management mm. or is looking to go into product management um what's something that they could work on okay so i think that a good product leader um one i think or like what we discussed about before so facilitation being one thing of the team but i think also think about how you are affecting other product people within your organization yeah. is another good one. So yeah. are you doing stuff that other people, other product people in your organization are picking up and, and running with? And I think another thing that I have discussed with a few people in the community before is that I think if you want to be a good product leader, then think about impact rather than optimization. I think a lot of times, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of using OKRs and different types of frameworks to measure how we, how we go about I think that sometimes default is more in implementation of those frameworks, but I do think that some... Can confirm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have... That, that's a separate podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I think that we... But what I do think sometimes those frameworks create is a sense that the key results or the, what the, the KPIs that we're looking for create a bit more of like an optimization culture which is that okay if this is what i'm being measured against then that's the only thing i'm going to focus on like if i'm if i'm a product manager and this quarter we're focusing on retention and i need to go from this percent to this percent then yeah. i'm going to do everything to do that yeah but i do think that that can um uh, do something to good product people which is i think everyone should do which is sort of like, okay so that is business as usual so and now I need to take my head up and look at, okay, what are the mm. things that we can do to have a proper impact on our business? And not just like on a quarterly by quarterly basis, just hitting those metrics, but what are the ideas? What's, what, how can I make sure that the product that I'm working on 10 Xs this business within the yeah. next year? Yeah. That is, that I think that that sometimes is something that a lot of product managers misses out on. Yes. That's sort of like, okay, this is what I'm doing every day, but I need to spend some time and thinking about, um, how I'm, what big impact I can have. I think that's fantastic advice because I do see there is comfort in going in and staying in the known. Mm -hmm. And I notice that sometimes product managers, in order to stay sane, 
is they go deeper and deeper into their area of control mm. yeah. and lose sight of the holistic objective of the company yeah. and how also how their product pairs up with the other features and products that are exactly. going on. But, you know, like reach out to the C-level or VPs mm. or whoever you can like reach out to them for coffee and yeah. listen to what they're thinking about. Get involved mm -hmm. in you don't have to be invited to the boardroom to think about yeah. strategy. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I love that. Like, stay yeah. stay awake to what's going on in the company yeah. so that you can balance that tactical stuff around mm. the KPI thing, but also think long term and um, would make an excellent. And I think that if I'm, I know, I think so. And I think that if you are a, if you if you do have, if you're a product leader now and you have like multiple product people reporting to you or in 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 a, in a formal or an informal way. Then I think that the one impactful thing you can do today is to make sure that the people that report to you have time to think about those things. Because yeah. I do think that we all, like, even as even as managers of managers, <laughs> <laughs> you see how this is not scalable in the long run, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, is that we don't we don't allow for people to actually have those uh, conversations and thinking. Yeah. And I think sometimes just having like a forum where like the people that you report to you talk to each other. Exactly. Because like in a um, in a bigger organizations, there is so much, so much knowledge retained within like separate teams that mm. I think like just having them like talk to each other's magic can literally happen. Yeah, like throw an mm. article in and yeah, like, exactly. go like discuss, like yeah. get that thinking going yeah. and alive. And I don't think it happens. Like it has to be driven by the leader. Yeah, kind of spark it. Yeah, because um, it doesn't always happen by yeah. just you know letting it be. All right, yeah. last question. Okay. So you obviously have to work a lot or have worked with non-product-minded people. Yeah. What is one thing you find yourself repeating over and over again that you wish you never had to repeat again? <laughs> <laughs> well, can, I can give some things, but I think that if we take it related to processes, one thing I don't want to repeat ever again is agile is, agile is going to solve all your problems. <laughs> That's one thing that I definitely never <laughs> want to say again, ever. And the similarly, that I don't ever want to say that product managers are going to solve all your problems. I think I, I hear myself yep. repeating that all the time. Yeah. And that um, the best product people come from technology is also something I have, yeah. have to yeah. repeat a lot that I don't yeah. want to say ever again. Yeah. So yeah, I can go on. I think that I this is it. like this is a this is a long list, but I think that that is probably the. The people's perception probably like they all sit in that bucket. Exactly. I think product managers aren't going to solve your problems is going to be the name of this podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Seb, for your time. And um, I'm going to link the framework so that everyone can take a look yeah, at that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jimmy.